0: before we open up the word, and then we'll have communion after we spend some time in the word. Father God, we come before you in humility and gratitude. Father, thanks we have the opportunity this morning to gather together in a country that is free. We're not worried about anybody breaking in and interrupting what we do. We're grateful for that. And Father, we pray that you would guide us and lead us as we open up your word. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we are uh, continuing our series in Proverbs, and uh, we're going to talk this morning about how do, I, how do I truly live the best possible life I can live. I'm sure some of you have uh, seen the Dos Equis commercials. Here's the most interesting man in the world, and uh, this guy, his name is Jonathan Goldsmith, And uh, over the years, he's done a lot of amazing things. I'll show you the time he caught fish out of the ice. But here, here, if you haven't seen it, here's how this goes. Uh, He has inside jokes with people he's never met. Every time he swims, the dolphins appear. Presidents take his birthday off. His personality is so magnetic, he's no longer able to carry credit cards. His tears can cure cancer, too bad he never cries. He's the life of the parties, that he's never attended. And so on, and so on, and so on. There are zillions of these things. Uh, last year Dos Ekes fired him, because apparently he's getting older and he's not interesting enough, so they got this guy. And uh, this guy has new little things, things that he does, like uh, Bigfoot takes his picture. He's the most interesting man in the world. Now, let's say that hypothetically, you could, uh, you could do anything you wanted to do. You had the, the power to be the most interesting person in the world. Uh, you could live the greatest life possible. What would that look like for you? I'm sure it, at some point you've, you've thought about that, you've visualized what that would look like for you. Truth be told, there's a lot of people who attempt it, and they don't end up finishing their life well. And Solomon would, would say he, he knows about those people. Uh, they were all over the ancient world, just like they're all over our world today. They're people who begin well. They have dreams. They have aspirations. They don't, they don't finish particularly well. And so what Solomon does in chapter 15, verses 20 through 29, is he gives us a, a paradigm for how to live well for the rest of your life. Now I want to I show you how, how this works um, because Solomon gives the, the key idea right in the middle of the passage in 15, verse 24. And his key idea is you have to make a choice. And then... In the first section, he talks about choosing the upward path. In the last section, he talks about choosing the downward path. Main idea is right in the middle. And then he talks about the upward path and then then the downward path. We'll start in the middle. In the middle, he says this. The path of life leads upward for the prudent, that he may turn away from Sheol beneath. That's a great verse, the path of life leads upward from the prudent, that he may turn away from Sheol beneath. So the first thing he's gonna tell us is we've got to make a choice, we've we've gotta make a choice. Uh, The upward path is a path in relationship with God, the downward path is a path that resists or rejects relationship with God. And those are the two choices that he presents. Now I'll tell you, in our culture, a lot of times we don't like two choices. We like multiple choices. We like 31 flavors of ice cream at Baskin-Robbins. I read this past week that if you take all of the drinks at Starbucks with all of their variations, there are 87,000 choices that you can make when you walk into a Starbucks, I was in a Starbucks on Friday and somebody had so many adjectives b- before their coffee, I thought, i have never heard of that variety before. There's a lot of adjectives in front of that, of that coffee. We love multiple choices. The One problem is that sometimes life is an either or choice. We saw that in this, in this really amazing poem by Robert Frost. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. And he talks in that poem about how he had to make an either or choice. Some choices are like that. Solomon gives us a choice like that. Peter was confronted with that choice in John chapter 6 because there was a lot of people who were upset by the teachings that Jesus was giving. And Everybody's leaving Jesus, and Jesus says to the disciples, you guys want to go too? And Jesus says, where where do we go? You have the words of eternal life. Some choices are either-or choices, and this is an either-or choice. Let's start with with the downward path. What exactly is the downward path? Well, when he uses the term sheol, um, what he's talking about in the term sheol is well, it's the Old Testament place where the dead go. And Sheol could be a good place, a happy place, or Sheol could be a bad place, a place of meaninglessness and vanity and pain. Um, now, in Proverbs fifteen twenty four, he's referring to Sheol as a place of vanity, meaninglessness, and pain. Um, and, and here, he's not exactly saying that it's hell. What he's saying is it's a life that is meaningless and full of vanity that is moving in that direction. And if you die, that's where you go. But it's a life that is encountering meaninglessness in the present, leading toward eternal separation from God in the future. Now, you know, people who are on that path. You've. you've You've heard about people on that path. I think about the tragedy of Aaron Hernandez, gifted football player, New England Patriots, uh, really good at what he did. He's a guy who couldn't control his anger. Ends up being accused of double murder, gets convicted, I guess, of one, and he commits suicide on the very day that the Patriots go to the White House to appear in their glory as the champions. Tragedy. A guy whose path took him down toward Sheol. Or you think about athletes like Warren Sapp of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a guy who made multiple millions during his life and he declared bankruptcy because he didn't manage his life well. That's the idea of your life trending down toward Sheol, down toward meaninglessness. You think about Roy Raymond, the guy who founded uh, Victoria's Secret, and how he sold Victoria's Secret on top of the world. He then starts another entrepreneurial venture. It fails and he commits suicide by jumping off of the Golden Gate Bridge. That's a life that is trending toward Sheol, trending toward vanity, trending toward meaninglessness. And I'll tell you there's a lot of people who are on that path, a lot of good people on that path. You don't have to be a bad person to be on that path because trending down toward Sheol is the idea that I am resisting God, I'm going my own way, and I am encountering the normal and natural consequences of that. My grandfather is a guy who struggled with that for a time in his life. Uh, My grandfather, great guy, tremendous guy, very successful. Uh, Finished his career in New York, on Manhattan. Worked in the Chrysler Building. But he retired and after my grandmother died, he wrote this very painful note to my mom. And in the note he says, you know, we we live and aspire to live like kings and we die like dogs. And you could just see the pain poured out on the pages of this letter. It was a poignant, painful letter. Now, my grandfather became a Christian at age 96. But for much of his life, His life was moving toward that sense of meaninglessness and vanity. So that's the downward path. What's the upward path? If Sheol is the path toward meaninglessness, what's what's the upward path? Well, the upward path is a sense that I am am on a path where there's a finish line. And that finish line is a line where Jesus Christ awaits me. There is the, the tape at the end of the line and I have the opportunity to cross that finish line in the presence of the resurrected Jesus Christ. That's the upward path. It's a path where you sense that you're part of a story that's bigger than you are. You know, all of us want to be part of a story, a story that's significant, a story that's, that's meaningful. And when you're on the upward path, you sense that you're part of that Story that's growing and getting bigger and becoming a whole lot more abundant. We're part of a big story, part of, a, part of, an, of an epic story. That's, that's the upward path. Now, Jesus' story is the quintessentially epic story. Son of God becomes incarnated in human flesh. and The Son of God lives a perfect, sinless life, gathers a group of disciples around him, Goes to the cross, he dies on the cross, he's, he rises from the dead, he's seated at the right hand of God. He's part of the quintessential story. And as you come to Christ, you are incorporated into that, into that really big story. The upward path is a path of discipleship, it's a path of significance and meaning and, and story. So the question that we have to ask as we begin to look into this passage is what, what path do I really wanna be on? And if you're honest with yourself, If you're really honest with yourself, you might say both, both, because if you're a follower of Christ, you are still subject to the temptations of the world. And if you're an honest disciple, you probably will say to yourself at times, I kind of want to be on both paths. And the answer is you can't be on both paths. You have to choose one or the other. Now we look at these in a whole lot more detail. If we are going to be on the upward path, what does that look like? Well, that brings us up to verses 20 through 23. 20 through 23. Let me just start by reading all of these verses. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, oh, how good that is. Four bullet point ideas for what it looks like to be on the upward path. It's almost like these, he's giving us snapshots, proverbial snapshots of what the upper path looks like. Snapshot number one is that if you're living life on the upward path, you're living life with a sense of community. A wise son makes a glad father. Now, the reason why he says this is because in the ancient world, discipleship was always bound up with a family. It was in the family that you learned how to work a job. It was in the family that you learned principles of moral character. It was in the family that you learned the scriptures. It was in the family. Now, we can take this into the year 2017, and we can say that the way this works in 2017 is it's in the body of Christ, our new family. Now, discipleship for sure takes place in our biological families, no doubt about that. But in the body of Christ, discipleship is designed to flourish. And so what he's saying here is that if you're on the upward path, this is a path that's designed to be lived in the context of community where you are enjoying the presence of God in community and you're, you're encountering joy in the context of that discipleship path. I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was a fraternity brother and he was telling me about, uh, about his story. He, uh, he owns his own business. He's done very well in his business and he got to a point about 10 years ago where, where he was saying, I, I just felt like there's, got, there's gotta be something more. God has abundantly blessed me in my family, in my work. And he says, I encountered the Holy Spirit in a profound way on a mission trip. And he said, I will tell you that that encounter shifted my life in a huge way. became aware of the Lord speaking to me. I became aware of the fact that I could pray and God would allow me to have dramatic answers to prayer. He said, that, that's just changed my life. And he says, I'm, I feel like I'm on this different trajectory in my life. So he said, about a year ago, I gathered together a group of, of my business associates, all of whom owned their own company. And he said, uh, he said one of the guys, was part of this, was one of our old fraternity brothers, the guy that I knew very well. And he said, uh, this guy recommitted his life to Christ at that event. Now, what, what is supposed to happen in, in my, my heart at that point in time? I'm thinking, yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I'm on the upward path, and I'm excited when I see other people joining that upward path and wanting to encounter God in a, a deeper and more profound way. Benefit number one is it's a life lived in, in community, a joyful community. Benefit number two is that when you're on the upward path, you encounter a growing sense of purpose. Listen to verse 21. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. This is a great proverb that applies totally to our current environment. The the term fool, remember, I've said this several times, is a person who says, I'm first and God doesn't matter. A fool is somebody who says, I'm awesome, and God, well, not so much. That's a fool in the Proverbs. Folly is the culture that flows out of the fool's life. I'm first, God doesn't matter, and the culture that I bring into my world is folly. And he's saying that folly is sort of a joy, it's sort of fun to people who lacks sense. But a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Now I want you to think about about a person in the news who who got savaged in the press for being a person of understanding. Uh, Mike Pence described his relationship with his wife. And he said that over the years he had carefully built guidelines into his marriage. He made it a habit to not dine alone with other women. He didn't attend events featuring alcohol without his wife by his side. He didn't have female aides working with him late at night in the Capitol. He said, "My, my, my reasons are very clear. I value my marriage, I prize my family. In the chaos that is state and national politics, I don't want anybody to have anything to say about my character. Well, he was ruthlessly savaged in the press. Man of understanding, walking straight ahead, ruthlessly savaged in the press, as having old fashioned ideas, ideas that were completely out of date. And that is a a perfect idea about how uh, how the term folly is used in the Proverbs. It's the idea of being contemptuous of anything related to biblical values. Now, for the person who says I'm first God's, God's, that doesn't matter. Can you have moments of fun, moments of laughter? Of course you can. Easy, see that on, I mean, Saturday Night Live is sometimes funny. Comedy Central is sometimes funny. You can have short-term, episodic events of laughter. Folly is joy to the person who lacks sense. But the person of understanding walks in a straight path, and the idea in the scriptures is that straight path is the pathway of wisdom according to the scriptures. So I, I, I wonder if you can take a look at the That the man of understanding or the woman of understanding that person has clear values and they walk according to those values that person has a clear mission in life and they walk according to that mission that person clarifies what it is they're about every so often and they orient their life to that thing that they claim to be about if you're Living on the upward path you have a growing sense of purpose that you're walking in a path that leads Toward a destination by the way How have those boundaries worked out for Mike Pence? pretty well Where people both on the left and on the right have said yeah? that person is a person of character that person is a person who has the respect of his family his friends because of the way he's lived his life and his family so here's the third uh, characteristic of a life on the upward path you got a story that is moving forward here's the the verse without counsel plans fail but with many advisors they succeed I'm gonna get real basic here for a second what are plans plans are concrete steps for fulfilling your dreams and what are dreams? Dreams are future pictures of your plans turning out the way you want them to turn out. And what he's saying is without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So think about, think about dreams. You've got dreams. Think about what your dreams are. Think about what your kids' dreams are. Somebody dreams about starting their own business, and they dream about what life will be like working for themselves, being their own boss. Another person dreams of, cons- of competitive swimming at the collegiate level. Another person dreams of being part of a different company and they're strategizing for that. Another person dreams of uh, seeing the world. Another person dreams about going back to school. We all have dreams, we all have dreams. Dreams are part of a story and the great part of discipleship is that you on the upward path? Is that you have safe people with whom to share your dreams? Um, when we're totally alone, we can have all sorts of crazy dreams, and those dreams may fail because nobody pushes back on those dreams and says that's a great idea. But have you considered this? Or nobody says that's cool. Let me pray with you about that before you commit money to it. Or that's that's a great idea, but before you quit your job, let's. Let's talk about this. Let's bring some people around to help pray over this. The benefit of having advisors on the upward path is that some advisors will tell you, you might need to reorient your idea over here a little bit, but when you have nobody who will wisely give you counsel, a lot of times those dreams fail. They never materialize. Um, If you've if you're here this morning, you've experienced any level of success in your life, any level, I would imagine that you had a friend, an associate, a mentor, a coach, a disciple maker who helped steer you along that path to make you successful. I certainly had that in my life. I'm sure you've had that in your life as well. On the upward path, you've got a story that's moving forward. And here's the fourth blessing of discipleship. On the upward path, you've got a a culture of satisfying communication. It's a culture of satisfying communication. He says, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season. Wow, how good it is. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. I wonder if you hear the emotion in that verse. There's a lot of emotion in that verse. How good it is to have a word delivered appropriately at the right time with the right mood. How appropriate that is. How good that is. On the upward path, you are entering into a culture of satisfying communication. Now, have you ever been in a culture of terrible communication? I have. I hate it. I don't like it. You ever been in a culture where you had to walk on on eggshells because. You're worried that you might offend somebody who's highly capable of being offended? I don't like that kind of culture. I'm sure you don't like that kind of culture either. But living on the upward path, you have people with you on that upward path who are commanded by the scriptures to tune up their communication, to tighten it up, to elevate it, so that it's communication that heals, that soothes, that satisfies, and when it challenges, it challenges in a way that brings hope and healing. So, what is discipleship on the upward path? It's it, it's a path into the presence of God, in the context of, communi- commu- uh, of community. Now, that path is always going to be countercultural. Always, the upward path is always countercultural. Cultural, if you shape your life around these biblical values, you will always be somewhat at odds with the world and where the world's going. Are you willing to do that? Upward path has always been countercultural. It's always been difficult. But are there benefits to living this kind of life? Yes, the benefit is community, purpose, story, and refreshing communication. That's the upward path. Now, we go down to the set of scriptures after the middle verse and now we go down to the downward path and our story in the downward path is this it's increasing disappointment and a sense of distance from God. So let me read the verses. The Lord tears down the house of the proud but maintains the widow's boundaries. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord but gracious words are pure. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Now again, these are snapshots of what it's like to be on the downward path. And I want to give you some observations about this. I want you to notice that there are five contrasts. Line A is one thing, line B is another thing. Sometimes the righteous are in line A, sometimes the righteous are in line B. But these are five contrasts. And so what we're looking at here are the negative contrasts related to the downward path. I want you to notice also that the word Lord is, I've underlined it on the screens, the word Lord appears three times in here. So, On the downward path it's not as if God is absent clearly he's not absent here but the idea for those people on the downward path remember the fool says I'm first God doesn't matter I'm awesome and God not so much that's the fool on the downward path God is there but sometimes you don't encounter him so the question is what what is what happens on the downward path well life on the downward path is this our money ceases to protect or satisfy let me read it again the Lord tears down the house of the proud Wow he tears down the house of the proud house in the Proverbs is household it refers to net worth it refers to our assets back then it referred to cattle in the field crops in the ground the house the land that you owned maybe the servants that you paid it referred to your total life your total net worth your total assets your total operation that was your house and when he says the Lord is tearing that down he's not necessarily talking about having a big bulldozer bulldozing the house down that wouldn't happen in the ancient world he's talking about the fact that it erodes Maybe in your mind it erodes. Or maybe maybe in, in the sense that in future generations that wealth is eroding. The Lord tears it down, not actively, but allowing that to happen by the normal and natural consequences of sin. So maybe God allows one person to make a decision out of greed. Maybe he allows another person to get complacent and she grows lazy. Or maybe... He allows a person to make an unethical decision, or maybe he allows somebody to do something that invites rebellion among workers or employees. God tears down the house of the wicked in the sense that he allows people to make decisions that bring normal and natural consequences. So here's the deal. When, when we refuse discipleship and we take the downward path, our money, our assets don't really protect us. I did a Google search this week of NBA players who went broke, and there were a bunch. I thought, okay, that's kind of interesting. Let me let's do another Google search. What about NFL players who went broke? There's a bunch. And th- th- if you can go Google some of these other, these other categories of, of epic fails, so to speak. And there's a lot of them them out there. People who had everything, and what they said is, I made some dumb decisions. Well, when you're on the downward path, um, in some ways you're not protected against those decisions because you're awesome, and God, not so much. You're first, and God doesn't matter. And so sometimes you you make decisions based upon... A me first mentality here's a second problem on, on the downward path we slide into defeatist <clears throat> into defeatist thinking the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord but gracious words are pure I love that term gracious words are pure gracious words describe the worshiper the worshiper whose gracious words correspond with the words found in scriptures. Back in the ancient world, people would memorize vast portions of scripture. It was a memorizing culture. You memorized everything, you had to. You didn't have your, couldn't uh, Siri, will you remind me of uh, an appointment uh, Wednesday morning? I mean, you memorize stuff. We don't memorize stuff. We, we outsource memory to our smartphones. They didn't do that in the ancient world. They memorized stuff. So the gracious words are words that you would speak based upon what you memorized out of the scriptures. Gracious words are pure in the sense that they're a delight to the God of the universe who set them forth in his word. But the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. That, that, what that means is the thoughts of the wicked are thoughts that dominate them and create a sense of angst and division and separation between you and God. When I was in college, I worked at the Miller Brewing Company um, and I w- operated the Miller High Life labeling line. Uh, it was a really nicely paying job for a college student and I was in seminary at the time and I need, needed the money and, and, and it was a great, great place to work. Great place to work. And I can remember, I thought you know, I, I gotta think about something. So I had the opportunity to Copy out uh, to copy out various passages of scripture and memorize them while I was operating The Miller high life line labeling beer One day I go into the break room and a friend of mine in in the break room looks like he is just seeing a ghost I Said Paul what's what's wrong? He says I can't control my thoughts. He says all I think about are fast motorcycles women and opium dens that's exactly what he said. And he said, I, I don't know if I can stand it anymore. He was, he was having a panic attack. I can't, I can't, I can't, con- can't control my thoughts. Th- that, that's a great example of being on the downward path. On the downward path, you have thoughts that are out of control, leading to a sense of defeat in your own life. Here's another problem of the downward path. Relationships become manipulative. <coughs> laced with ulterior motives. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. Greedy for unjust gain. You think there's anybody uh, that you know in 2017 who's greedy for unjust gain? You ever, ever seen anybody like that, greedy for unjust gain? Some people are very skillful in their greed for unjust gain. You see, we have a, in, in, a, in a way, we have a culture that's greedy for unjust gain in the year 2017. It's true here, it's true all over the world, all over the world. And when it says troubles his own household, what he's he's saying is it ends up troubling people you're related to, it ends up troubling your financial household, it ends up troubling your net worth and your assets, you become a person who is manipulative and deceitful to get your own way. Life on the downward path is like that and then finally on life on the downward path God is going to seem very far very far from us here we have two verses the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things the Lord is far from the wicked but the but he hears the prayer of the righteous and one sense God is everywhere you know God is God is everywhere he sees everything he hears everything um, he hears the prayer of the righteous, but he's far from the wicked. In this sense, it's saying he's far from the wicked because the wicked is always pouring out evil things. God is not near to them. God seems very far to them. It's a life where God seems, God's love, God's grace seems, seems, seems very far. Now, I want you to think about these two contrasts. Um, because these two contrasts are profound discipleship has its benefits doesn't it it has its benefits the upward path is growing intimacy with a person the upward path is a path where you're in connection with people who love you and care about you the downward path it has negatives it, it may seem okay for time it may seem like there's some good things in the downward path for time folly is joy to a person for a time on the downward path, but it has significant negatives. Ultimately, that negative is distance from the God who created you and the God who redeemed you. So I wanna conclude with a question as we prepare for communion. And the question is, what path are you on right now? What path are you on right now? And I ask that question, Hoping that you will say, some of you will say, I'm at the fork in the road, and I need I need to decide what path I'm on. For some people, deciding on that path means they decide to be a follower of Christ for the first time. They transfer their trust onto the work of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to get onto that path of discipleship. Others of you who know Christ may may say, you know, I will tell you, I feel like I have been on that downward path, and I need to get back on the upward path. Others others of you may may say, you know, I feel like I'm really double-minded because um, sometimes I want to be on that upward path, and sometimes, quite honestly, I really gravitate toward that downward path. And for you, you need that singularity of purpose that remembers there are costs to non-discipleship. And we need to evaluate those costs to non-discipleship. So I want to have a time where you can meditate on that for a moment, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll transition into communion. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have a a clear outline of what the two paths are. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would build into our hearts an aspiration for the upward path, the path that leads to life. Father, for those who feel like they're on the downward path, I pray, Lord God, that you would... um, You give them the grace to aspire to that upward path. Lord, to those of us who've been on the upward path and we've been on the upward path for a while, I pray that we would um, take that upward path more seriously. Maybe we've slowed down our journey. Maybe we've maybe we've stopped on that journey. Yeah, we're on the upward path, but we've just, our our progress has slowed way down. Maybe we become discouraged on the upward path. Father, I pray that we would recognize the blessings, the benefits, even the beauty to life on that upward path and that we would enjoy you on that path. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.